and welcome to On the Road with Supernatural, the podcast where we watch and discuss Supernatural episode to episode from the beginning. I'm Jasper Graydon. I'm Jordan Graham. And I'm Allie. And we'll be your hosts for this Monster of the Week journey through American folklore and Christian mythology. So to check in with y'all today, we have a very easy topic related to the episode. What's your relationship like with your father? Oh, God. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about that. We all look at each other in panic. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're not my joke. therapist. Ah! Uh, tell me about y'all's bug stories. Ooh. I was living in Italy, and I was staying in this house, and the mom of the house thought I didn't clean enough, but I'm a very, like, very clean type A person. And... All of a sudden, it was um, winter going into spring, and these ants started coming out of the doorway that was off of my room. And so they thought I wasn't cleaning enough, and it would be to the point where I would bleach the walls, bleach the floors, bleach the ceilings, and there would be at least 20 more ants in 15 minutes. I don't like where this is going. So this happened for weeks. And finally, one day, we realized they're coming out from the, the board above the doorway. Mm-hmm. And in Italy, this, I don't know if they're all like this, but this one specifically was removable and hollow. And these ants were hibernating. Mm. So it wasn't my fault. They had come in the like summer, fall when I was not living there. All of them had boarded up in this, in this like hollow piece of wood, basically, that you pull Uh out from the ceiling. And I took it to the bathroom to get the ants out because they were so many. And I sprayed water through it. Oh, oh no. And the water was running black, full of ants for over three whole minutes. Oh, my God. Um, full of ants i have a bug story very similar before we get to jasper's i'm only gonna tell it because of how horrific it is okay so i used to live when i went to this um college that was literally in the middle of a forest i eventually rented a house like right across from my university and it was in very dense woods so we had really bad bug problems so what i would do is i would i would take a bowl put a little bit of soap put it in a lamp and i would wake up with tons and tons of bugs in it to kind of keep them from being in the house but one day i'm a big soda drinker i forgot to fill up the bowl and i guess i had like a half drink in pepsi i didn't finish before i went to sleep oh no but my friend came over oh no drinking one of my pepsis and put it down next to the wrong can no it was full of ants when he drank the old pepsi no yeah, he spit it out into like the bowl which I hadn't fit up filled up and it was just like literally hundreds. He had hundreds of ants oh, in his mouth. No. Oh no. But what about you, Jasper? What trauma? Yeah, uh I grew up in New Orleans and every summer was when the termites would come back and termites are just like a huge problem throughout the city. Um you, you could see them, like, over the streetlights. They would have, be in, like, a huge cloud. Ooh. So you could tell they were when they were really bad. Um, and thankfully, our house was never infested because mm-hmm. it was made of cypress wood, which they really don't like. Um, we really didn't have a lot of bug problems in the house. But the problem was that on the, uh, the tree lawn, the, like, little strip that belongs to the city on the other side of the sidewalk, there were these two ginkgo trees 
we couldn't get rid of these ginkgo trees because this property technically belonged to the city, but both of them were completely full up, totally hollowed out, infested with termites right in front of our house. So every day when we would like come back over the summer from picking up my dad from work, we would have to get out like right by these bug infested trees and walk through this huge cloud of them to get to our house. And yeah, there was one time I distinctly remember like shielding myself with an umbrella And then, of course, because it's the summer in Louisiana, it's not just the termites, right? So we get up to the door and there's the frantic unlocking of the house that goes on. But, you know, while this is happening, there's like June bugs plinking around everywhere in the vestibule. And like, I'm sure if we had looked at the ground, there would have been roaches and all kind of shit because it was just how it was. It was fucking disgusting. And I'm still terrified of bugs. The, uh, I would be so scared of the termites, like, getting into my clothes, too, and then, like, getting in the house. And... Yeah, I was always afraid they would get in my mouth or in my nose in particular. Yeah. Really, really bothered me. Like, I would hold hold my breath so that I, like, didn't have my mouth open at all. I was very concerned. Uh, well, as you might have guessed, today's episode was season one, episode eight, Bugs. The one where the boys unpack generational trauma amidst a generational curse. This episode was written by Rachel Nave and Bill Coakley and directed by Kim Manners. It originally aired on November 8th, 2005. So there's a lot of not great stuff happening in this episode. This is probably, I don't know why it's not the worst rated episode of this series but it's not somehow yeah, i mean even if it wasn't incredibly offensive like it's still just not good like it's not interesting it doesn't do anything yeah i have nothing to add that's it it's <laughs> just not great <laughs> what do we think about there's like the intro scene yes i mean after the really awkward intro scene we get our first transition without a phone call or was that last episode no we had a phone call last episode yeah. no yeah this one call. was the awkward puddle reflection that was very strange i yeah. thought it was like so going for something and then the rest of the episode doesn't do something. Right. So it just felt misplaced. Right. Yeah. Um, I do want to mention in the intro the horrible forced use of fat, P-H-A-T. Oh, I forgot about that. I even wrote that out of my notes. Yeah. Some lingo you literally never hear anymore, and I'm glad. <laughs> But of course, it came out of like a forty-year-old white dude's mouth. Yeah, too. Well, I remember at this time too. Everyone was trying to get those damn Fat Farm shoes. Oh my god, that was spelled the same way. Oh my god, so just in everyone's. Yeah, minds. yeah, I'm sure. Do you guys know what year the Mummy came out? Oh, I just watched. The... I thought that was old older yeah exactly the first one's 99 i'm pretty sure yeah because like straight up the the first guy who gets killed dustin that's just the mummy yeah with the scarabs mm-hmm. or whatever I was, I was just like cool so you saw the mummy <laughs> yeah i feel like it'd be interesting if it were the first time this has happened yeah but it's not yeah also like bugs eating people alive come on yeah, and they could have chose, like, more intimidating bugs. I don't know. Yeah. Like, they got, like, a bunch of, like, pill bug-esque scarabs. And, like, I don't know. They could have used some CGI there, though. The later use of CGI was not it's horrible. Good. So, I don't know. 
they should have just scrapped this whole episode. This yeah. should have just never happened. It reminds me, our senior high school prank, someone just, like, released some bugs in the hallway between Lamb. classes. And it felt very much like that. Like, the whole time you're just, like, shouting, why? What was this for? Yeah. And who's this for? Like. Yes. Who would enjoy this episode? The only, th- like, even the thing that they tried to do. So the one thing about this episode, what was very much a Dean and Sam focus episode and their relationship yeah. with each other. Yeah. Except for maybe at the end when we talk about like Sam's relationship with his father, they didn't present us with really any new information that mm-hmm. we didn't pick up from last episode. Well, I think they kind of did. Okay, so they they talk specifically about the fight that yes. Sam and John had gotten into, which is not something they discussed before mm-hmm. directly. Just that, like, they argued a lot, and then Sam was like, peace out forever, essentially. Yeah. And something that I found really, like, weird about the whole, like, Sam versus John thing that was going on in this episode is that he's like, oh, well, you know, dad was supposed to be proud of me for, like, getting a full ride to Stanford or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, they just learned from Jerry Poofy Sleeves yeah. <laughs> mere episodes ago that that John actually does... Uh, is proud and talks him up and I know like as someone who has a difficult relationship with my dad like it's it's one thing to hear it and another to like know it yeah which I'm sure both of y'all but then, understand like, the onus of it is put on Sam yes because, and that was mm-hmm. yeah Sam is like oh I never knew that dad like came to Stanford and would check up on me like yeah um like, why didn't he tell like, me? Like, why didn't he tell me? And Dean's like, well, it's a two-way street. Like, you yeah. had a phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is so, I think, problematic because yes. boundaries are healthy. Yeah, boundaries are healthy. That's one thing. But the other thing is that is a complete misconstrual of mm-hmm. the power dynamics yes. of a parent-child relationship. Yeah, like, even if he's in his 20s, he's still the child. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, and at the time, he wouldn't have even been in his 20s. He would have been 18 years old. Yes, when this yeah, when yeah, 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 yeah. So, so you know, the the onus is like you said, very much on mm-hmm. John to be the one to reach out, the one to be an adult. Yeah. So, like, the whole thing is just ridiculous. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. I have a hard time being like, "Ugh, Dean, shut up!" In this because he's <laughs> also the victim of yes, like a fucking awful abusive yeah. upbringing. And severe manipulation. So, I yeah, don't know. Yeah, you can't blame either of them, but I think it's... Just want to shake them. Yeah, you want to shake them, and it's so telling, um, because this is something that happens with children who have narcissistic or problematic parents. Yeah. I also want to talk a little bit about their relationship with each other mm-hmm. in a way that I felt was kind of a step back in the writing of this episode. Uh-huh. So, they put a big emphasis, again, on Dean kind of being like a con man and a Yes. Which I do like. But what was kind of weird is then they have the juxtaposition with Sam being like, I wanted a normal life. But they had been kind of building up for Sam, like accepting his new role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then and then this, they're like taking a step back with yeah. that. I think narratively it's weird, but in terms of like an actual healing process and change in one's life kind of uh, like internalization. Like people, people go back and forth yeah. all the time. But narratively, I agree. Yeah. It's it's strange, um, especially because I think in the previous episode, like they were getting along, yeah, so really, well. really well. 
So I know when companies will film TV shows, they will sometimes end up reordering the episodes. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised if this was meant to be like earlier. Earlier. I agree. But it was yeah. probably such a dud. They wanted to wait. <laughs> you have to do what you two tap out already. Because there's no way that they, I'm sure they screen tested this mm-hmm. with like audiences and even Noah's a writing team. They had to have known this was not going to be a successful episode. Right. And like with the uh, expectations of what they want in life, um, I know that Dean at the start says like manicured lawns and how was your day honey i blow my brains out like i'm not surprised he doesn't want that but with how much he flirts with women and seems to be the stereotype it also i don't know it comes off to me as very gay that he's like are we talking about how femininely they treat dean this episode now because i that's like half of what i wanted to talk about okay you can finish your sentence no, before I launch into it. No, that's the start of this. Okay, so, like, besides the fact that the bar they start at is called the fucking Loading Dock, which sounds <laughs> like a gay dive, which is my favorite kind of bar, so I would know. It sounds like a gay dive bar. The Loading Dock? Are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah. Anyway, like, immediately they go into, oh, Dean watches Oprah. And <laughs> Dean is the one who finally makes the okay, honey joke about being in a homosexual Mm -hmm. couple then they have the whole thing where like he has like the towel on top of his head taking a long shower yeah like luxuriating Mm -hmm. in a way that is really considered to be feminine sorry i'm just like wow you're you're really starting early with this and laying it Mm -hmm. on thick aren't you yeah And I think also, like, connecting with the femininity Mm -hmm. and, like, if you're gonna be thinking about, like, a queer subtext in this episode, the whole uh, narrative surrounding Dean is this deep lean into the con man character. And the whole thing surrounding him is this idea of, like, what is the truth and what is the lie? So when he interacts with Joe Whitetree, for example, which (laughs) We'll we'll, we'll get into that later, But just on the surface, he's immediately called out for being a liar. And then his impulse later is to tell Matt to lie to his dad um, and to avoid the truth at all costs. And, like, (laughs) you know, it's just so, like, it feels coupled with all of these, like, femininely coded Mm -hmm. ideas that the concealment here isn't necessarily what we're being shown on a surface level there's like something else going on that dean is not sharing yeah it just screams repression it really does and at this point like i'm a new viewer at at first i was like are they just trying to make dean see masculine and like just the tryingness of that is what's kind of making him come off as queer-coded But this episode, I'm like, it feels intentional. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like a weird thing when you talk about queer coding in TV and movies. Because sometimes, like, you have queer people in the writer's room and they're like, how much of this Mm. can I get away with? Yes. Then that's a real thing. You know? And, like, I feel like I latch onto that stuff so much. I always feel like I can tell. It's like, even as a kid, Mm -hmm. um, fucking the Hercules Disney movie, immediately I was so into fucking Hades. I'm like, (laughs) that is my bitch. Love Hades. He's super gay. Never, there's never any explicit homosexuality happening, but he's 
he's fucking gay, you know? Well, and to me, like, even without any other seasons, just in this, um, it's kind of like the idea of when the author writes, oh, the curtains are blue, but the audience reads, like, oh, the curtains are sign of blank, 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 and the author just means the curtains are fucking blue. I don't think it matters always what the intention is. Oh, of course not. Because when it's produced like this and comes across that way, I think that's just as valid. Yeah, well, and the point of art is not to exist in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. Art doesn't really become art until you interact with it. You know what no. I mean? So, yeah. so like, a painting isn't art until you hang it up on the wall and people have shit to say about it. And I think the same, is, you know, can be said of TV. I'm a mm -hmm. poet. I think the same is said of my poetry. My fucking drafts are not <laughs> art. Like, until I show that to another person and I'm like, hey, what do you think? It's not. It's not art. And then it's not up to me to determine the meaning after mm -hmm. that interaction has happened. I'm yeah. just saying. Like, it's, it's not even an interpretation that's like it's barely subtext yes it's so it's it's like it's like you left fresh milk out and the cream <laughs> floats to the top baby it's just right there and to yeah. me like i'm not full camp author is dead but to me no I'm like, of course the author's not. not that fucking important and if it comes across this way yeah then then it comes across this way and yeah that, yeah and this is before we even get into jensen ackles jacking joyce's <laughs> jordan this is just like cracking the can yeah this is like the barest this is like you had the can of soda and you're like worried that it's going to explode. So you like gently pop yeah. it a little bit, but not all the way. And it just goes like. Psss. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I'm excited. Well, it's also too like you can't even say that it's unintentional because you have two characters. I understand consistency in characters, but like when Sam doesn't read at all. Correct. In that way when he's written by the same people. Mm -hmm. And he's extremely masculine. Yeah. yeah. And obviously masculinity is varied between people like two people who are both extremely masculine can be masculine in different ways yeah. that's not what i'm trying to say either yeah it's just like when you have them next to each other constantly you know yeah you can't help but compare especially you're right jordan same writer well, and sam doesn't feel the constant need to prove his masculinity mm -hmm. which shows yeah. like a level of comfort in it yes well, I'm glad we got that off our off our backs because that was really <laughs> I was like gonna blow. <laughs> I forgot about how much of that was in this episode. So distracted by the memories of racism. Yeah. yeah. Okay, can we talk about this kid? Because I really want to talk about him. Yeah, let's talk about the kid. At first, I thought it was Freddie Highmore. I am wrong. They look similar. They, they look do. similar. And it's the guy from Letter Kenny. Yes. Who Stuart. plays Stuart. Stuart <laughs> who I was like, oh, this character, like, he, like, kind of repulses me. When he got a makeover, I was like, damn, he is so attractive. Well, he's also, like, much younger and, like, In awkward. this. Yes. I don't mean in this. Yeah. But just seeing him later as the, like, long-haired goth. I don't know. I would like to see that. <gasps> you yeah. haven't seen that? No. <gasps> He also reappears in a later season of this show as one of the angels. Oh, as uh, a different character. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They they recycle. The, I think the the actress, uh, several several of the angel mm -hmm. actors were like extras and oh. moms and whatever in like oh. the early seasons. Yeah. The only observation I had about him is that this was 15 years ago and that actor looks literally the exact same. Yeah, he pretty much does. Like, wow. Yeah. Also, seeing him and the girl from Alias Grace, Alias. their chemistry and power together in Letter Kenny, 
Don't watch Letterkenny, just watch them in it. Okay. <laughs> That's my recommendation. We'll just find YouTube clips yes. or something. I'm sure there's, like, a Letterkenny stand twitter that's like dedicated only to those two he reminds me of what jordan says he was in high school oh my god oh, okay. am i right or wrong uh yeah probably a little less cringy than him and I was i'm assuming cringy. no meth yeah no meth but <laughs> despite it being springfield yeah, springfield <laughs> is the heroin capital oh and i don't and i mean that like literally because we Man, we're we we're, we're hitting a lot of <laughs> shitty capitals in Ohio. Yeah. We got Toledo, it's the capital of sex trafficking. trafficking. We got the heroin capital in Springfield. Yeah. We really just the state is cursed. It really is. Fuck. So the scene where obviously you know the real estate agent is about to be murdered. And we get that, like, slip in the shower. <laughs> I just, like, want to go back and edit in, like, that Flintstones noise. That, oh, my God. <laughs> yes. I also love how when the glass shatters, it just looks like they're a bunch of ice cubes. And right. And they ketchup. fall. And they fall in. In. Oh, and then when they're investigating. The rubber spiders death, the in the rubber towel. Spiders. <laughs> Those they don't so even good. bother trying to make them look real. No. It's no. that's the kind of camp I like. Oh, I absolutely. was like, is this kid changing plastic spiders to real spiders and murdering people? Yeah, I thought that was going to be a plot point. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, he's this kid is changing, yeah, toys into real. No, no, it was just, just racist. The props yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just it was racist. just it was just bad props and racism. Solved it. Story of supernatural. Yeah. Um, before she gets into the shower, though, did you notice what was on the news? They were talking about West Nile. I did. Re- yeah, I did. Yeah. See that. Um, there was actually, they're talking about, oh, there's like a West Nile outbreak in mm. like Atoka Valley, blah, 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 or whatever. Yeah. And it made me think of um, when I was growing up in Louisiana, there were some cases of West Nile virus. Oh, really? I think I must have been like eight or nine at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mosquitoes breed in sitting water. Yeah. And my grandma would have just like, these weird she she'd have like buckets of water and like the this frog pond and shit in her yard and we're like bitch what the fuck it's louisiana in the summer you can't fucking have that Mm -mm. like you're like i drove my parents insane but yeah she'd just be like oh it's fine i have fish in there they eat they eat the larva and i was like okay (laughs) so yeah i mean like somewhat topical yeah absolutely they like they they tried question mark they tried, they <laughs> why, tried did, question why mark. didn't they make it about west nile or something yeah, like yeah i mean i think there was like a bug episode sort of like this mm-hmm. in the x files they could have they could have gone like the government route yeah. but they never they never do like an anti-government thing in here mm-hmm. just just like anti-fbi i guess i like when she slapped that fat spider off of her fucking face with a ph oh my god i was like how was she just she just like casually bumped it off and i was like that was a fat spider yeah i was like you would notice oof yeah no it really was i definitely would have been flailing and screaming and mm-hmm. i probably would have ran out the house to be honest definitely wouldn't have immediately gotten got the, sho- got the shower yeah. yeah what the fuck if i found a spider crawling on my face i would not get naked yeah. i would put on more clothes <laughs> oh i'd get you naked then me. you know there aren't spiders on you and you get in the shower and get clean 
and then you slip and fall and break the glass onto the inside of the shower <laughs> and drag your body several feet <laughs> as they eat your brain. As they right? eat my brain, that's the, yeah. That was a dramatic death, even by supernatural standards. <laughs> yeah, it was It was a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, there was also that worm pit that was so stupid. Oh, yeah, and how they just happen upon a skull covered in worms and it was and it was so close to the surface like it was not down there at all it was 370 years ago right it would be so overgrown and like the dirt was so fresh and like you know what the fuck was holding those worms up on top of the pit like why was it hollow (laughs) in there like why are the bones so perfect you know, mm-hmm. why are there three skulls, but, like, no, no like, weird bones. phalanges or, like, vertebrae or, like, anything, you know? Yeah, especially with being that old, you wouldn't find a skull. You would find skull fragments, most yeah. likely. Yes. And they would have to dig way further. Okay. It'd be so way dirtier. If we're talking about the skull, I have Ugh. some things to talk about the Yuchi tribe. Yeah. So they say it's the Yuchi tribe, and they say that they were in northeast Oklahoma in the 1830s, uh, 1835 about, because that was 175, 170 years ago from when this came out. Um, And they're like, oh, there was a battle because they didn't want to leave, and they fought the cavalry. Well, this is all over the place. Of course. <laughs> because the Yuchi tribe were an East Tennessee tribe in the 1600s, I believe. They moved to Alabama, Georgia, and South Carolina. Still not in Oklahoma. But after many wars and epidemics, um, again, let's blame the white people because we are at fault. In the 1800s, they were really dwindling. And in 1830, they were, quote, moved to Indian Territory, which was in northeast Oklahoma. So they were moved there with the Muscogee or the Cree, um, who they were living with when they moved down south. Mm-hmm. And now only 623 people of this group um, were still alive in 2010. Mm-hmm. So it's really weird that they're like, oh, these people from Oklahoma are being tried. They're trying to move them, but they won't move. These people... Yeah, it sounds like they were relocated specifically there. To Oklahoma. Yeah. And similar time periods, so I'm like, well, you did some research, but then you're just like, eh, we'll throw this all at a board and see what sticks. And then they're talking about Oasis um, Valley, right? Oasis Plains. That's in Nevada. Whatever, dude. Nevada, I'm pretty sure. I think maybe, maybe... Mm-hmm. Oasis Plains was the name, the planned name of this subdivision. Oh. Maybe, but they're not super queer. I did cite it as the town name um, in the last episode for our, our outro, but I don't know. It's also the location they give in the beginning of the episode, I Of believe. where they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, and speaking of relocation, the other thing I want to say about that is that the anthropologist that they speak to, Mm -hmm. which, like, (sighs) anthropology is sus, like, when it's white people, just going to throw that out there. But he's like, oh, yeah, relocation was really common at that time. I'm pretty sure relocation continued to happen well into the 20th century. So that just, like, completely erases the fact the fact that genocide and 
violence from the state continues mm-hmm. continues to be enacted upon them you know even yeah. to this day it was it was not that long ago that the water protectors were mm-hmm. attacked by um and even t- national guard today with biden um signing a deal that makes fracking on like 23 locations and the yeah. thing with fracking too is when you do things like that mm-hmm. people don't realize the death rate of young indigenous women mm-hmm. skyrocket because yeah. the workers who are working on the fracking rigs will go and kidnap the young Ugh. girls and they're i think like the average light like rate of Jesus. death of like a young indigenous mm-hmm. woman is crazy yeah. and that's all happening today yeah 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 and i mean that's not even to speak of the fact that like already there's water scarcity mm-hmm. on reservations and tribal lands yeah. um and then fracking further pollutes whatever water is available mm-hmm. so you know it's just the the violence still continues and mm-hmm. to act like oh it's such a thing of the past it's very insensitive is about the nicest thing you can say yeah Yeah, i looked up some stats about this because i didn't want to look up like vengeful ghosts or like native american curses because this is a problematic stereotype and even if that did happen like we fucking deserve it um right now one in four native americans live in uh below the poverty rate um, there are also major education gaps and only two to three percent of U.S. land um, is like owned by Native Americans, not owned, but like, oh, what's the word? Like allotted for Native American groups. Um, mm. And while all these are negative, I wanted to point out some of the positive groups right now, like the Native American Rights Fund, um, locally, the Great Lakes Intertribal Council, mm-hmm. Midwest Alliance of Sovereign Tribes, mm-hmm. and the National Cro- Congress of American Indians are all groups who are working um, like to get more rights for Native Americans, Indigenous people, whatever they Mm -hmm. each identify as. And the way I think we can sum up how America deals with Native Americans, this is kind of true today. And I'm sorry, Jasper, I know you don't like Parks and Rec, but I'm going to just do one quote. You're good. You're good. Um, This mural depicts the trial of Chief, Chief Wamapo, who was accused of being Indian. Tragically, in 1834, that was a crime punishable by death. And this is really how we've dealt with Native Americans throughout time is um, take away every opportunity for them to succeed mm-hmm. and is still a current issue today. So please look into it, please. If you're yeah, able to educate yourself. Yeah, educate yourself. If you're able to donate, donate or at least support. Yeah, especially to, you know, individual or local mutual yes. aid groups. Like tons and tons of mutual aid groups will advertise that they need donations on like Instagram and Twitter. Mm-hmm. Even like a couple of dollars to anybody who's like housing insecure if when you can afford it. It's mm-hmm. super duper helpful. And, you know, spreading those kinds of requests around uh, like retweeting or sharing or whatever it it does a whole lot to boost visibility whenever you can yeah and just like be aware that this land was taken in such a manner and we are still oppressing these people um and yeah absolutely look up those local because there are countless local organizations for mm-hmm. wherever you are um and this is not just a u.s issue there are native and indigenous people all over the globe who yeah have dealt with similar issues yeah currently uh very 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 similar problems in canada mm-hmm. as well 
and people. even other continents like we don't think of yeah Australia, yeah exactly mm-hmm. yeah yeah so sorry for my diatribe no like <laughs> on board with the diatribe this was like the internal monologue <laughs> like just like angry about racism mm-hmm. so like yeah, this I get is you. a lot more important to talk about than this bad episode, so. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think, like, that's the reason why. There's there's another episode that's just, like, really fucking bad in this season that we are going to skip. But, like, like there's good reasons to mm-hmm. con- actually, you know, dissect and comb through the, the content of this mm-hmm. episode. You know, if nothing else, we can point out the things that are really fucking shitty and... Mm-hmm perpetuate racism speaking of which do we want to talk about joe white tree <laughs> and the reservation i can i can start if yeah no you go ahead to. and start so as soon as they get onto the reservation did you notice the music change i didn't i was too busy concentrating on his outfit oh the man God. they drive by yeah and how they depict him yeah the long hair and the cowboy hat yeah yeah um they immediately start using like this wood flute music as soon as they get onto the reservation it's so fucking ridiculous it's it's a hard balance too to like show the struggles that a community goes through without also yeah completely stereotyping them but like immediately going up to this reservation and it obviously being like very poor yeah very Mm -hmm. run down it's just so yeah they show like the the stray dog in Mm -hmm. like rooting through the trash and i think like those things are fine to have but like we were talking about in the previous episode when there's some sort of like imagistic parallel Mm -hmm. you know like the the really expensive like upper middle class housing Mm -hmm. development as compared to this deeply impoverished community that you know They've been pushed out of whatever their tribal lands are supposed to be in the narrative of this episode. Like, they're making that visual parallel, right? It's not enough to just have it. You have to be, like, you have to to say it. You have to point Mm -hmm. it out. You have to say, like, wow, this is fucking bullshit that -hmm. these people are here and they've been pushed here and systemically forced into a perpetual poverty Wow, that fucking asshole, mm-hmm. like an hour away or whatever, is making fucking bank yeah. building up houses on land that doesn't belong to him. And there's just none of that. You would only need like 15 seconds of dialogue yeah. to achieve something like that. Well, and then especially too, I found it a little offensive. Like when they did get information about the curse, my thought was, oh, so they're going to like try and convince them that like, you need to leave. It's wrong. You live here. But it was like, no. We have to break the curse. Mm-hmm. Nothing about, like, trying to get people to stop using that land. Right. Or... I was glad they didn't break the curse, though. Yeah. Yes. When they leave, Dean does say, we can't break the curse. We need to mm-hmm. evacuate them. So I think there was that, at least. Yeah. But I agree with you about the weirdness of that interaction with Joe White Tree. Well, I think, like, everyone knows when they watch it, it's the stereotype of the wise, elder, Native American male. Right. Um, who then instantly knows things about them. And then, like, seems to exist just to give these two white boys advice yeah and that's the thing that really fucking pisses me off the most about Mm -hmm. it it's not the fact that he's like you know this mystical non-white person trope it's the fact that they're outsiders to Mm -hmm. the community one 
two they're two random fucking white dudes and like why the fuck are we supposed to believe that this guy is going to divulge oral histories mm-hmm. about like an extremely traumatic event to these two fucking jabronis? Like, are you kidding? Like, native people keep plenty of their oral histories super close to their chests, mm-hmm. which they're perfectly allowed to do. You know, it's just, it's not something that's innocuous for them to share. It's not just like talking about daily whatever. They show up and he launches into, oh, you know, the sun and the moon are equals like shut the fuck up whoever the fuck wrote that i'm gonna find you and when they bring in like the equinox and things just to throw these words in there yeah there's no significance especially because then we're gonna look at the them talking about the equinox in relation to their own storytelling (laughs) thus far in this episode Mm -hmm. they act like this big cataclysmic thing is gonna happen on the equinox but it's been happening already at sporadic Mm -hmm. times so they, yeah, they literally just wanted to make it sound like mystical and mm-hmm. non-white is what they were yeah. trying to do. Yeah. And I think this goes back to my problem with the Wendigo episode is like, if you add these things in an episode, have a clear fucking reason of why you're having them in an episode right. and what you're doing with them. Because otherwise it's just you profiting off of these stories and totally whitewashing. Yeah. And it's just so like I know this is two thousand five, but that's not a fucking excuse. No, it's still fucking exploitative. Well, mm-hmm. And the only good thing I can say is that at least they cast native people. Yes. To to be most of the extras on the reservation. Yeah, and plus, like, the second episode with the Wendigo Mm -hmm. was incredibly offensive, but... They were, like, using a character from Native American folklore. This, they're literally just using Native American trauma. (laughs) Yeah, it's literally, like, they're using death and rape. Mm -hmm. They use those words Mm -hmm. as plot points. That's true. It's nothing more. It's fucked up. It's really fucked up. And it's meant to, like, bring us, like, this image of this horrific time. (laughs) But that's it. And it's just for entertainment. Yeah. Because there's nothing, like, gained by the Native community affected. Yeah, exactly. Like, how easy would it have been for them to be like, hey, maybe, Mr. Larry, housing development, you should get Mm -hmm. in touch with the Yushi over in, what did they fucking say? Sebulba? No, that's that blue guy from Phantom Menace. (laughs) Whatever. I don't know. Like, Like, find some way to... Like, give it back. Yeah. Like, if no one can fucking live there anyway. You know what I mean? Give it back to you. I mean, like, give it back anyway. Fucking give their land back. But, like, you know, I just... uh, It's just so aggravating. And I'm so angry at people thinking that this is only a problem out west. Or this is in the past. Because when I was watching this, I remember a story of Owu in Delaware, Ohio, just a bit north of here. Yeah. They had a Native American skull, supposedly, that each year the winners of this, like, intramural game would get to keep the skull for a year. And that was... What the fuck? Like, their trophy. That's... And do you know when it stopped? Oh, God. In the 2000s. And on top of that, then it mysteriously disappeared. Oh my so I'm God. sure these fucking people at Owu, which is a privileged college, it's incredibly expensive, it's full of people. Is it private? Who, it's private, it's full of people who can't get into like Harvard but want to go to like an. Like, uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have yeah, so I, many I problems you. with our system anyway. And then to know that 
even in the 2000s, like, locally, we are right. doing this shit? Yeah, oh. that's fucked up. I, I forgot about the fucking bones thing. At the end, they're like, oh, the government's investigating yeah. the bones. Fuck you. Give those bones back yeah. to those people. Like, mm-hmm. literally, you just listen to their story about how they got massacred for days, and you're not going to think, oh, maybe they want the remains back. Fuck you. Yeah, that's 90% of what I have to say about this episode is fuck you. Well. Yeah. On a lighter note, the whole time Joe Whitetree is telling this story, Dean is making that ridiculous blue steel face. <laughs> and I'm like, come on, buddy. <laughs> Take it but seriously for a minute. He's concentrating. <laughs> <laughs> concentrating on showing off those DSLs. <laughs> yep. I'm pretty sure before he was an actor, he was a model, which I know is not like an uncommon thing. In no, acting, yeah. But for him you can really tell you can see it in his face you're right the eyebrow just gets more (laughs) eyebrow the older he gets is my favorite the evolution of the dean eyebrow is something that i think we should track oh absolutely let's Uh, talk about matt i think the kind of allegory for (laughs) using him as like a vehicle to show the relationship that like sam had with his dad was a little on the nose especially because we're supposed to like sympathize with john in the end of this but really i did not like matt's dad awful yeah larry plus like when dean told matt like you should lie to him it kind of turned out matt should have lied to him yeah Yeah. And like being in a relationship with an abuser, the only way to motivate them or to, you know, live amongst them is to literally manipulate them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did not sympathize with him and I this did not make me sympathize with John or honestly, no. I don't think if I was an outsider, if this wasn't a TV show and Sam was my friend and he's like, I think I want to start trying to have a relationship with my dad, knowing what I had learned and witnessed so far, I would be like, Are you sure? Is yeah. this really gonna be good for you in the long run? Yeah. He shouldn't apologize. Yeah. He doesn't owe he doesn't owe him an apology. First off, when they had the fight, he was a child, which we've yes. discussed. Yeah. But second off, John is horrible. I hate the line where he's like, he did the best that he could. Mm. No, he didn't. Like he left them alone for like weeks at a time with like not enough mm. money and they would like starve. I'm sorry, Jordan. Like no, this no, isn't something that they like get into yet, obviously. But it's so yeah, well, I don't even think it's that implied. Anyway, watching this episode makes me want to, like, tear my hair out one fucking strand at a time, I swear to God. <laughs> I, like, the only thing I can say is that it's, like, the sign of a good person that mm-hmm. they still want to make the attempt to try and repair. And, like, the first step in healing yourself, even if you can't fix the relationship is like the impulse to to move forward in any way so you know that's positive deep breath deep breath all right all we have left is the showdown with the bugs I think it's the most boring part of the episode. I just want to pretend it didn't happen. Well, what's so crazy is they made that, like, typical shits going down music that's supposed to, like, kind of get your anxiety going and... Right. But then, like, mostly we're standing in one place. Like, literally, the the whole action was moving room to room. Yeah, running up the stairs. And then we had kind of, like, a Looney Tunes moment in the (laughs) end. With, like, trying to, like, plug all the holes Mm -hmm. while... You need, like, the fucking, like, Benny Hill music going on while they're, like, messing around with, like, the beam and the weird uh, metal plate and, and, like, 
Dean with the fucking bug spray, flamethrower, which, like, can I just say, bitch, you could have used some hairspray if yeah. you were just trying to create a flame. Like, use the insecticide as insecticide. Yeah, it was like, you could have, like, given someone the insecticide to just kind of spray around while you took mm-hmm. Matt's axe body spray or something. <laughs> <laughs> Which he totally uses. Oh, I'm sure he probably... Did you see that kid? He was wearing, like, beige skater shoes, and he had that awful, like, digital camo button down. Oh, man, that kid definitely was, like, marinating in Axe body spray. Oh, sure. Probably complaining about why he can't get a girlfriend. Oh, my God. No, he's too busy playing with yeah, bugs. Yeah, he has bugs. He doesn't need, he need a girlfriend. A girlfriend? Didn't you see the praying mantis? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, wait, man. no, it wasn't a praying mantis. I apologize. I've misspoken. It was a stick bug. It was a stick bug. I also feel like the attic is the last place I go. <gasps> right? Everything yeah. gets in the attic. Like, why? It's like going in the basement. Like, yeah. dude. No. Not even just an attic, but like an attic of like a freshly Unfinished. finished. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they went up there and there were already holes. Like, oh guess i'll die plus like modern houses are not like they're literally are they're built Mm -hmm. to fall apart so you have to buy another house like this is like the third time in eight episodes where i have wanted the monster to win i just wanted them all to die they deserved it i think my favorite though out of all of the hollow blue in the house is when dean's like Give me a towel. Give her give towels. So he just throws one towel in front of the front door. Good job. Fixed Dean, you it. Did it. Yeah, and then he was like, and we need to board the fireplace. And he was like, the, we need to flu. take care of the fireplace. And they just don't. They just don't. <laughs> and then that's inevitably where they come in from yeah. first. Yeah, I just think uh, this episode had no self-awareness. Oh my god! Whatsoever. And then and then they're waiting until sunrise, but they got there at midnight. So you're telling me I'm supposed <laughs> to believe they were in that fucking house for like six hours? Yeah, that was like a five-minute scene. Yeah. And also, I hate when shows do this, where like in sunrise, but then they have like bright beaming sun. <laughs> yeah, right. But bitch, come on. Yeah, That's like noonday sun. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, when they're all cowering in the corner, I was like, yeah, they accept your fate. I'm Just pretty die. Sure this is the second time the show has done that, where they showed up somewhere at nighttime oh. and then it was suddenly day. Oh, yeah, at that house with the girl in the bath, remember? Yeah, because they showed up late, and she was in the tub, and then they went downstairs, and, like, her hair was still damp, but it mm-hmm. was, like, noon. Morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The keeping of time in this show is not good. No. It's okay. As of yet. Yeah, I mean, like, that other thing was kind of, like, a weird continuity mm-hmm. thing that I could just brush off, but this... No. (laughs) This was, like, important. Yeah, this was... Defeating, yeah. Yeah. Literally the story. (laughs) Yeah, it was, like, the climax. But we made it through. We made it through bugs. All right. Well, let's rate the episode. Jordan, uh, what do you think? You know what? I'll give it one rubber spiders out of five, just because it might let some... Might give the opportunity for some people to look in and educate themselves, Mm -hmm. because this is so glaringly bad that hopefully people will look at this and be like... I should look up, you know, actual native stories. Mm. But if that does not happen, then a zero. What about you, Allie? I'm going to give it like 0.5 awkward Wincess jokes. Ew. I know. Yeah. Because that 0.5 is not a pretty 0.5 either. God. Um, yeah, I think maybe they could educate themselves. And I think this would be so much better if it were just bugs are creepy, kids are creepy. Well, Plus, like, we have to think even if it wasn't for the racism, this still yeah. was not a good episode. Yeah, yeah. it was still boring. Yeah. What would you rate it, Jasper? 
I think I would give it one half of a stolen credit card out of five <laughs> for subtext only. Hmm. Um, all right. Well, what do you think is going to happen next time, Jordan? Well, we've really dropped the ball with this one, so I'm hoping we get something pretty good. I'm going to go, maybe I'll finally get my werewolf. I'm expecting a season one werewolf. I love that you keep predicting werewolf. I just want, I'm in a, I've been in a really werewolf mood lately. Yeah, no, I, I feel it. Werewolves are cool, dude. Okay. So, um, since this one is just like really just a bad episode, there's not, there's not a whole lot to go on as far as what could connect it to fan fiction. So I literally just searched different like bug related tags. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And the one I decided on was Support Your Local Beekeeper by Powerful Week. That's so much better. Yeah, this is the episode I wanted to have, frankly. Summary. It's not like Dean goes on Grindr very often, just when he's bored and alone. The Blue Eyed Guy's profile reads, Beekeeper, 29510 single, I watch the bees. (laughs) (laughs) Dean is intrigued. He has to send a message. The tags on this are Beekeeper Cast, Grindr Fic, Phone Sex, Masturbation, Bottom Dean, which is the only way, thank you. Top casts, dirty talk, anonymous phone sex, anal fingering, and rimming. So this one sounds like it's extremely smutty, and yep, it is rated E. Very porny bees. Is this a reimagining reimagining of Supernatural where Castiel is a beekeeper? Yes. Oh. Yeah, I th- I think like a bulk of Supernatural fan fiction is like AUs. Yeah. Where it just has nothing to do with it. Literally, they just import the personalities. The character. <laughs> They're like, I like that guy. What if he was a professor? It kind of reminds me of like porn. Because I mean, it is porn. It is. Like, this is literally you, porn. I literally just told you, you what was in this. And it included yes. anal fingering and rimming. But it's like if you took like, if you replaced like Dean with like Busty Milf. And you're like. Literally, any you could take these and replace like their names with like porn tropes and be like, "Busty Milf finds beekeeper." Oh like, yeah, it literally always writes itself. I it's yeah, it's incredible. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> no, it does. It it really writes itself. Um, the the beekeeping thing is a it's it's a reference to a later season. There's like uh, a bee a bee thing, a honey thing well, with cast mind episode where they fight a hive mind. No, it's just a joke. Oh, it's it's a joke about Cassiel being weird. <laughs> Does he get a job as a beekeeper when he quits the slurping group? <laughs> no. Okay, sure. In Jordan's new... <laughs> yeah, Jordan, write that thick. I came from Allie's mind. I don't know if I have the... Okay, only that name. <laughs> Let me be clear. I have Slurpin nothing to do with these fanfics. Zero <laughs> percent me. I'm not judging. I'm sure this porn is really good. I'm just not that interested in, like, the bee element or, like... That's the best part. I, don't, I mean, I picked bees because there were bees in this episode. Like, I, like... Were there bees? I don't... Yeah, there were bees. One of the first deaths was a swarm of bees and mm-hmm. the person was allergic. And then That's I think right. it, it was bees and other kinds of flying insects in the house at the end. Like, I distinctly saw bees in the glow of the CG flame from from the lit insect. I'm going to bash my head against the fucking wall at this point. (laughs) Yeah, ready to KMS, TBH. 
Um, yeah, I'm just not like grinder fic. Eh. I'm not interested in in reading about online dating. Okay. Online dating is a special hell that I don't wish to engage in for recreation. So like that's that's the they other missed thing. out by not naming it Bumble, which literally is a bee. It was so this was published in 2015 oh. is the thing. Oh, so I don't know if Bumble was, was that out. popular. Yeah. I just want to imagine Dean's Grinder profile though, or not <gasps> Grinder specific, but like a I'm Dean sure app. I'm sure someone has made that. Please it's, send it to it us. Really yeah, no, I yes. definitely want to see that. I want to see. Send us Castiel's also. What do you think his top music choice is? Oh fuck! Do they have? Do they have that? Oh no! Stop. Probably. <laughs> Probably all of the fix. Whenever he has like some sort of online name for something, is always in Paula sixty seven. Yeah, I bet uh, there's like one awkward picture of him, and then the rest is just his car. I bet he's someone who still takes a mirror selfie <laughs> with the selfie facing the mirror and then shooting back. At oh my him. god. No, but, like, okay, so, like, on apps, when you're just trying to hook up, you have, like, the one picture of your face, and it's, like, always that... You have but one normal picture. from, like, below. Yeah, like, why do men... Why? Why, why men? <laughs> why do you take your your hookup app pictures from, like, a upward angle? Like, why do you do that? It's not flattering for anybody. Mm-hmm. And as we established in the previous episode, might in fact make you look like you're peeing but maybe um, that's what they're going for maybe but then like you know the the other photos are just a pre a preview of everything else it's just his car it's just his <laughs> car <laughs> Casses are all like he's not fully in the photo because he can't work it right. <laughs> okay okay i like that i like that <laughs> and sam's are the one of what people think he is it's like him in glasses in a library because he's posing oh jesus i think sam would be the only one to put like actual effort into his profile i bet he has a rip jess tramp stamp oh my god no okay okay though i think dean would make a dating apps profile seriously but it would just be one of those that's like laughably bad yes but he did it thinking that it was pretty good yes yeah i also don't see dean as really being into hookup culture like he would tell are you kidding i see him more as like lying about wanting to like hook up all the time but really wanting to settle down okay yeah that makes sense Mm -hmm. i was like but that's all they try and make it seem like he does on so the show. Fake. No, I totally agree with you. I agree with you on that. It, like, it does feel very posturing and, like... Yeah. I bet his quote would either be from, like, Die Hard or some... Tombstone. Yes! Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Or, uh, that quote from that song, uh, it was, Cowboys are often... What is it? <gasps> There's totally one of just him in chaps from behind. <laughs> Wait, he has like that cowboy fantasy, I'm getting right? too far into Wait, this. Wait, hold on. Yeah, 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 okay. Cowboys are frequently secretly fond of each other. It's a, a lyric from a Willie Nelson song. Mm-hmm. Or no, it's a title of a Willie Nelson song. <laughs> anyway, none of, none of that is important. <laughs> <laughs> The last thing I have is I wanted to read off of the website for the Land Back movement. About Land Back. Land Back is a movement that has existed for generations with a long legacy of organizing and sacrifice to get indigenous lands back into indigenous hands. 
Currently, there are land-back battles being fought all across Turtle Island to the north and the south. As NDN Collective, we are stepping into this legacy with the launch of the Land Back Campaign as a mechanism to connect, coordinate, resource and amplify this movement and the communities that are fighting for land back. The closure of Mount Rushmore, return of that land and all public lands in the Black Hills, South Dakota is our cornerstone battle from which we will build out this campaign. Not only does Mount Rushmore sit in the heart of the sacred Black Hills, but it is an international symbol of white supremacy and colonization. To truly dismantle white supremacy and systems of oppression, we have to go back to the roots, which for us is putting indigenous lands back in indigenous hands. In addition, Land Back is more than just a campaign. It is a meta-narrative that allows us to deepen our relationships across the field of organizing movements working towards true collective liberation. It allows us to envision a world where Black, Indigenous, and people of color's liberation coexists. It is our political, organizing, and narrative framework from which we do the work. Four Land Back Campaign Demands. One, dismantle white supremacy structures that forcefully removed us from our lands and continue to keep our peoples in oppression. Two, defund white supremacy and the mechanisms and systems that enforce it and disconnect us from stewardship of the land. Three, return all public lands back into indigenous hands. Four, consent moving us out of an era of consultation and into a new era of policy around free and prior informed consent. On the website, they have an email list you can join, and they also have a donate tab where you can contribute to the campaign if you have the extra funds. Um, and this is on landback.org. One good thing came out of this episode. I am glad we were given an opportunity to educate ourselves and hopefully others. Thanks for tuning in to On the Road with Supernatural. Our theme music was composed by Anthony Ployhar, and special thanks to Sophia London for our logo. If you're having fun, hit us up on Tumblr at On the Road with Supernatural or by Instagram or Twitter at OTR Supernatural. Contact us by email at on the road with supernatural at gmail.com with any questions or feedback. That's all for today. See you next time in Lawrence, Kansas. Bye. Bye. Bye.